Welcome to the special 2018 seasons of the Wealth Standard Podcast, celebrating life, liberty, and property. You are currently listening to Life Season 1. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the new season of the Wealth Standard Podcast. And uh, I am joined by someone who I honestly, and I'm totally sincere in saying this, but someone that I wouldn't, I would not start, uh, I would not start without him. And this individual means uh, a lot to the business that, that I'm in and a lot of uh, how my philosophy has changed uh, over the years. Uh, and Garrett Gunderson, who you guys are here from this entire episode, uh, I think he epitomizes a lot of these values that we're going to be talking through uh, in this season. Now, with being in the financial services industry, there are so many competing interests. And those competing interests typically will uh, tend to come up with data and statistics and uh, value propositions and reinforcements, whether it's statistics or, or whatever. And in the end, I look at kind of how our economy has evolved and what we're trying to actually do. And a lot of these you know, activities, financial services activities, financial planning, 401k planning, retirement planning, uh, even employment itself is, is really not what the, the fundamental purpose of the establishment of our country was. And that's where I've taken a, a really a deep dive this year and really trying to uh, understand what people are after uh, and what is, you know, what is this idea of the American dream? And that's why we came upon, I came upon this, the, a quote that many individuals don't realize uh, had roots 100 years before it became, you know, I would say canonized as Americanism, which is the, the pursuit of life, liberty, uh, and in the Declaration of Independence, it's happiness, but it originally was life, liberty, and property. And that philosopher, he was, his name was John Locke. He lived in the late 1600s. And if you really look at his teachings and what he meant by those words, the profoundness of that and really what it's created as, I would say, just this amazing, amazing time to, to be alive, uh, that mo- people are straying from those ideals and they're focusing on things that, uh, in, in, my, in my opinion, are secondary and, and tertiary and won't lead to the end result that they think they're going to get. Now, in, in all of this, I, I went back to uh, 2000, I believe it was 2005, and I have a, uh, a present, I don't even know how I got it, but Garrett and uh, his former uh, partners, uh, Les, Les McGuire, uh, uh, Mike Isom, and Ray Hooper were the presenters. And this, it hit me this year, and I've watched this, I've watched this series uh, a number of times over the years. It's really where I got the initial inspiration to, to do uh, to do what we're doing here at Paradigm Paradigm Life and and the whole theme of of principles around the wealth standard, but as I went back and I listened to, uh, and and I've been listening to it uh, quite quite a bit, the the principles and the theme of it really hit me strongly, and it hit me to the point where I realized that you know they're never going to change. Society is going to change, tools are going to change, trends are going to change, people are going to change, government's going to change. Everything is going to change but that. And that's why I wanted to have Garrett on because 
as I've uh, been observing him and we've done some work with each other over the years, as I've observed him, uh, he's he's changed. He's he has more gray hair. Uh, he's yes. his voice is still very very deep and manly, uh, but his principles haven't. Uh, and Garrett is actually coming out with a, a book um, and has come out with a, a book last year too. Um, uh, what yep. would the Rockefellers do? Uh, but I I can't wait to kind of pick his brain and talk through this this whole idea of uh, I would say the the. Uh, motivation behind America, the motivation behind why people put their lives on the line for these these simple principles. And we've already had a little bit of a discussion about it. But as you you know, listening to to that uh, monologue, what would you what would you say about uh, those principles? Really, what got you passionate about what you do? Because that was pre two thousand eight, two thousand nine, going yeah. into you know, there's been so much change, but yet your you know. I would say your mission, what you've done, the principles around it haven't. And a lot of a lot of people in our circle of influence, the principle, their activity has changed, and their principles have changed as well. Yeah. So you mentioned former partners, especially mentioning Ray Hooper and Les McGuire. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they died in a plane crash, June 9th of two thousand six, I got this like this really personal emotional test. Because they died on a Friday, and I was back on my radio show on Monday. I remember that, yeah. As like this, exa- trying to be an example to everyone, and I made this declaration to Ray's widow. I was like, "Hey, I'm going to keep their legacy alive." And then I s- spoke at the funeral, and I said the same thing. And the problem with that is, I got to see the opposite of the pursuit of kind of life, liberty, property, and happiness. Mm-hmm. To kind of use all four terms instead of the three, because I started to live my life for something that wasn't really who I was. And I was now keeping all 42 employees and I was exhausting myself. I gained 22 pounds. I wasn't working out. I wasn't even seeing my family. It wasn't until my wife called me out the day before Thanksgiving that it all kind of started to switch and change. And I figured out I was actually not doing anything to preserve their legacy because I was I was destroying mine and exhausting myself. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like these principles we talk about there's a lot of people out there, especially in politics, especially, you know, even with communistic and socialistic governments mm-hmm. that try to make you believe that if we're all egalitarian, we just look out for one another, but not ourselves. We always put everyone before ourselves. The problem is we destroy our lives that way and businesses destroy themselves that mm-hmm. way because I've seen businesses that say, put the customer first always and the customer's always right. The yep. customer's not always right. Sometimes the customer's an a-hole, right? The customer, <laughs> if you put them first before yourself or your team, mm-hmm. you actually diminish your yeah. team's ability to perform and to trust your organization yep. and your team's more important than one client for yep. sure. Mm-hmm. So it was it was kind of interesting to go back and realize that I got the ultimate test. You know, you're watching something from 2005 and mm-hmm. you were saying it, but then I experienced it and then I realized, wait, wait, I'm not congruent. I'm not following this and I'm not very happy. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I got back congruent with what I had been talking about and teaching, which meant I went off the radio because I'm like, I can't get on and talk until I figured this out in my own life. Life got immensely better. And I think I, w- I would, I would, I could give stories about the same thing with, with me, because obviously when, when you talk about those ideals, it feels really good. I mean, you can, you can feel the passion around right. it, but when it's put to the test, that's really when those shine or they're gone. And right. I would say, you know, you, you look at, where our society has uh, has come from, and even in the last, I would say, you know, 
50, 75 years, okay, not much has changed. But previous to that, a lot of the the principle-based activities, business, pursuits, okay, they remembered those original founding principles. But today, the systems that exist, right, are are systems that were not meant to champion those ideals. They were systems meant to train workers, right? The Prussian school, the Prussian idea of a school system, which our entire common core is based on, was to train factory people, right? 3% potential entrepreneurs, 17% derelicts, and 80% drones. And that was basically the thought process. That's the thing. It's kind of, and it's kind of like, Everyone has that like genius entrepreneurial thing inside of them. We're, Somewhere, uh, we're, right. we're we're humans, and we figure we figure things out. But right. if it's suppressed, right, and you're supposed to do this, and you're supposed to take orders, and you're supposed to meet or uh, march by this drum, then that never comes out. The environment doesn't exist Dude. for that to come out. But the thing is, it's like everything that we have today, technology, business. It all comes from those seeds and that 3%. It's cultural. It's like, so if you go against it, it's like going against the people that you love and respect and feeling like you might be isolated or ousted. And and so it has such a strong effect that, if you remember Asiana Airlines that crashed on its way to San Francisco, mm-hmm. actually the co-pilot knew that they were low and slow. Those That's are right. two things, yeah. but wouldn't speak up because the the pilot had higher seniority and in the Confucius system that's how how powerful it could be to keep someone pushed down and holding that within Mm -hmm. and the thing is I really think we face some serious challenges but my true belief is that we have the solutions to those challenges they're just hidden deep within people that never figured out how to experience express or really like be able to deliver the value that's somewhere hidden but here's the thing it's it's right now and we were talking about this before before we started recording right now everything is going so quickly Right. And but people are still kind of convinced that, you know, this ideal world is something that's like, if I do this and this and this, then I will have arrived. Just right. Check these boxes. Yep. And there, and people are, are, I would say, trudging, trudging through life, like believing this. Yeah. And and I would say and it is that it's that common, common belief that we all carry, because I think as society, we we tend to conform to specific archetypes. Right. Right. And we say, OK, that person. Oh, I want to be like that. But the thing is, everybody is the same these days. And if you really look at those, you know, the resources that are out there for people to experience something they think is going to take 30 years, they can experience it like next week or next month. Okay. That is really, I mean, it's one of those wake up calls that I don't know if, if it, if they don't really start to, uh, you know, see between the lines or figure it out themselves, then it's going to hit them in the face really quick because we're going to get to a point, right, where the market is most likely going to collapse because business businesses are changing so quick, right? That so many are going to go out of business because right, they're going to be replaced. Yeah, because artificial intelligence will render them irrelevant and useless, or and efficient systems or like efficient blo- systems, like, blo- yeah. like blockchain. Just yeah, cutting out so much. And the valuations are going to be gone. People's retirement's going to be gone, and then that's going to force them to be like, oh wow, well I guess. I guess my life didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. Right. And I, I just think we need to challenge that concept of retirement because it's antiquated. I mean, retirement, look, if you lived in the industrial age, if you're like my, you know, my dad and my grandparents and my great grandfathers, 
They worked in coal mines. You probably want to retire Absolutely. as soon as possible. Yeah. And hopefully you didn't die or get the black lung on the way, right? So <laughs> I get why retirement in the industrial age was such a major concept. Monotonous assembly line type of jobs. But we're in a world right now where we're rewarded so much more for thinking than we are doing. Mm-hmm. We're rewarded so much more for brain than we are brawn. Yep. In the old days, like, man, it would really like it's still a little bit unfair to women, but back in the old days, man, it's like a man was bigger, stronger, and good old boy networks were the norm. Yep. Now it's like you're seeing that being broken down more and more totally because it's becoming more about value than it is about privilege interesting. or it is about like status in society yeah. or which family you came from. Yep. The, the, that's when you say the, living, the, the the playing field has been leveled so much because you have internet millionaires that haven't even hit their teens yet, yep. right? Simply because can it deliver value? Like I love that about this, but I'm afraid a little bit about a future because if people don't become more adaptable, yep. I think the currencies of the future are connection, creation and relationship Hmm. and if our entire thought process around investing is stocks bonds and mutual funds we don't know who's managing the money we don't know what's going on in the boardroom we don't know what disruptive technology is going to make that obsolete any day now and we're just going to think that for for the long haul it's going to work out unfortunately we're not gaining skill with that we've got to become better investors so what so those so say those three things again what, the um, currency of the future. Yeah, yeah. So connection. Okay. So connecting. Yep. And then creation. Okay. Because yeah, that's yeah. the thinking part. Yeah, yeah. And then relationships. Um, relationships. Okay. And the kind of like string between them all is adaptability. Yep. Like, so this is like social media is strange because on one level, people think that they're connected to more people than ever before. <laughs> but in the reality is they're more disconnected yep. because it isn't really about true connection. Yeah, the meaning of community, the meaning of connection ha- is, is uh, getting lost, but this is, this is what I would say. So going, going to your point, it's, it's one of those, it's again, it's an, it's an idea that the, the country didn't start out on, right? Right. right? They didn't like have the declaration of independence and give you the right to retirement. Right. right, so the the idea is, but yeah, people feel it's a right. They do feel it. They feel, they feel a lot like of health are insurance right. is a right. They feel like uh, retirement is a right yep. with pensions. I mean, well, the whole like this whole like the 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 the, the Prussian idea behind education, and then the Prussian idea behind retirement is what it's all based on. But people they they value it because the the tendency is toward what you know. How can I be as safe as possible? Right. right. How can I be as protected and secure as possible? It's not the the pursuit of being creative or the pursuit of really what what freedom is. Right. And that's where I would say, you know, the really this the skill set behind what anyone has, it may be obsolete in two years, three years, four years. And that's why the, I yeah. think people bet on retirement because they won't have to do what they're doing right now. But that's the other thing. It's like the idea. The idea, and I, I don't want to get into the the statistics behind it, uh, but the idea of retirement, it, it was it was meant to take people out of the workplace, out of because they were deemed meaningless because it was in a factory because style was, workplace. Yeah, it was their physicality wasn't there it wasn't anymore. Sufficient. Yep. Right. So, yeah. And, but and, it's prepared. But it's it's gone on and gone on, and it's still valid today. It's it goes on today because of entitlement. Yep. People feel entitled to that, but it's so dangerous. And here's why, because people are willing 
to do things that they would never be willing to do in the name of a retirement because they are sold that somehow that's going to be the dream. But the reality is most people get there and it becomes a nightmare because of three major factors. One, interest rates have been so exceedingly low that retirees have been absolutely screwed. Second is taxes Mm -hmm. continue to be volatile. And if they go up, even though there's been new tax bills passed, people Less don't realize income. how many times, like inflation alone taxes us, yeah. which is the third factor, is their purchasing power goes down. And then the number one fear of the retiree is running Long- out of money. Longevity. Right. Yep. So now they were sold that, look, if you're willing to just do all these things in the name of having a better life, mm-hmm. one day you'll have a better life. Then they find out they don't have a better life and they don't really get a second chance. Yep. So it's kind of a cruel system. It is. And it's not, and I would say it's, it's but not you can natural. Opt out. You, yeah, you can. You can. That's what. Just I, that's opt what I out of to. retirement, not yeah. of the system of production, but opt out of not thinking about retirement yeah. anymore and thinking about well, being it's not, productive. It's not natural, right? right? And that's that's the thing is life these days is not about the physicality of things. Hardly anybody has a physical job, right? MMA right? fighters. <laughs> <laughs> hockey players yeah hockey athletes. Players. but those are like yeah. five years yeah. until retirement and those are like <laughs> tiny amounts of their life right <laughs> yeah. but here's but here's the but here's the thing it's like the 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 mind of those individuals i mean think of a, someone that you know wants to retire at 60 it's like at that age they still have 20 25 years probably more now and well, the productivity and that's the other thing is yeah people used to die at 62 yeah no big deal let's offer social security at age 62 okay most people are, are dead well, it was originally 65 and right. then you know the whole prussian system was 70 even though life expectancies were 62 anyway it's such a yeah. it's such a backwards idea and it's not and it's not going to work so the idea and i know that you have a, a book coming out that i love to talk about uh but the the idea is that you know you you don't really retiring i would say is more getting away from something you don't like to do that yeah, doesn't like to give you fulfillment into something where i'm still in control yep. value creation because let's list all the people that we would that we'd put down as the most respected looked up to people that retired nobody Short, like because these icons had more money than they could spend but kept going because their purpose yeah. was greater than their bank account yep and now, and I, I don't know if you've ever read uh, John Huntsman's biography, but I was I, I was turned on to that uh, six months ago or so, and and since the beginning, like he had this mission to like cure cancer because his mom died of you know mom died of cancer, yeah. and he, I mean he's made the statements that I have too much money, like I can't give enough money to cancer research, like I don't there's too much, like I'm trying to give it away and I can't. Right, but it was—it's always been that that innate drive. But he's still working at it because he has a specific mission and drive. Right, and, and he realizes that he can be valuable even at eighty something years old. Yeah, I think when, and I think that a life devoid of purpose becomes pretty meek, and it becomes really pretty—I uh, don't know—bleak, uh, you know, because it's just like not the best. How exciting is that? Like, it's not. Yeah, it, you know, it's like what gets you charged up or want get going. So I think that we don't have enough pursuit towards things that really matter mm-hmm. because because of that probably the system you're talking about which is just got to get a job this is so-called a good job this provides good benefits this has a retirement plan or this has a match or this has health insurance and i've heard so many people tell me they don't like what they do but it has good benefits i'm like so you'll give up your life in the name of benefits but again that that idea they didn't like wake up one morning and think that no that's been programmed exactly and i think that programming is so it's so prevalent today that I'm not sure if there's going to be a big shift, but I would say, I would say this, and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this. Right now, I would say the, the bulk of uh, government, the bulk of business, and, uh, and I would say any real leadership position are 
are those that are in their 60s, right? Late 50s or 60s. And that's a generation that I would say, you know, their ability to uh, adapt or adopt new technology, adopt new systems, adopt new ways of thinking is like so constrained. And if you look at the rise of this young generation, and I know that some think they're derelicts, and, but if you really look at like Connor Blakely, I don't know if you follow follow him, but he like he, he was getting jobs with Nike and jobs with these Fortune 100 companies like before he graduated, yeah. he didn't even graduate high school, right? But it's one of those things where they are so they're so agile, yeah. they're so adaptable that they are looking out in the world and seeing so many inefficiencies, whether it's in business, politics, monetary markets, investments, what. What, what, ha, what have you and they are figuring out solutions to it they don't have college degrees they don't have high they don't have high school degrees but yet they're figuring out problems but yet these yeah. older individuals in politics in in banking uh in in a uh, uh how to use government, but all governments, uh, but also corporations, businesses, yeah. they can't like get over like the way things have been this done. This is how it's always been. Yep. Well, first off, my my friend Rich Christensen, I don't know if you know Rich, wrote it several books, Zigzag Principle, yeah, Bootstrap yeah, yeah. Business, yep. newest ones, Toes Turn Purple. He he spoke recently for me and the he led off with a quote from Socrates talking about how terrible the next generation was. And then he had another quote from someone else talking about how the next ge- was derelicts and they didn't, you know. That's so amazing. this has been in human history. Everyone talks about the next generation or the behind them mm-hmm. as being bad, wrong, lazy. Not, but here's the deal. We keep progressing. I think each generation is brings new levels of efficiency. For sure. And it's that efficiency that scares the other generation yep. and therefore we discount it. And, that, and that's where, I mean, I've, I've thought this, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I think when younger, like the, the teenagers or even early 20s, like when they realize all the crap that is going on right now in government, I mean, just look at the tax bill and all the pork crap and stuff that's appended to it. When they realize like what was done to them that they are going to have to take care of in the future, I mean, I would be surprised if they, I mean, I, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to probably go, it's kind of like that Saudi Arabia uh, king that's going after all like the old school people and throwing them in jail. Like they're going to go and like throw all these people in jail. I mean, they're not going to go, they can't do that. But my point is they're going to be pissed. But see, it happens at such a deep level because see, my great grandfather left San Giovanni, Italy in 1913. The reason he left is because he had a little fishing business and he wasn't making ends meet and all of a sudden they were going to have a family. So his wife's pregnant and they're barely making it because the government was taxing them and because the mob was taxing them. And so he's like, I don't think we're going to be able to survive. So he has to leave his pregnant wife, get on a ship, go across the Atlantic Ocean, come through Ellis Island. They can't even understand him because he doesn't speak anything but Italian. They change his name based upon that. He gets on a train, gets all the way out to a tiny town, um, Draggerton, Utah, where he becomes a goat herder, eventually becomes a coal miner, lives apart from his family for seven years, living in a tent where he can finally save up enough money to buy a house. And then in 1913, when he got here, guess what they invented? The U.S. Revenue Act, which is yet another yeah. tax. Yep. So when and you the think Federal of, Reserve Act. So I want, like, now you think about me. Yeah, we got Federal Reserve Act. So here I am. We're talking, you know, um, in a totally different century, basically, 100 years later, mm-hmm. 100 plus years later, and I still have that disdain for being unfairly taxed yeah. because of the separation it created in my yeah. family. So that's what happens to the next generations. They're even less tolerant because they realize what's happened and they have a little bit of say in it different than because maybe if he said something, he gets killed back yep. in 1913, yep. you know? But I look at... 
you know, I look at, I look at that and I look at, you know, I would say there's kind of this cycle that you can see throughout history. Because if you look at, like going back to this uh, Socrates time, you go to Aristotle, uh, you go to, you know, really, you know, John Locke and you go into the, the, uh, the Scottish Enlightenment, right? Yeah. You go to the, the, why people came to the United States of America. And it all came from very oppressive circumstances. Right. Then they come here seeking more freedom, being able to control their life, being able to control their destiny, okay, without being told really what to do. Which means we were built on an we entrepreneurial structure. Exa- and that's my point. Yeah. But yet, we always go yet through these now cycles. now we're trying to suck that For sure, because we're so freaking regulated in everything that we do, and it's so inefficient, doesn't work, and it's going so quick. It, you know what it's like? It's like helicopter moms. It's like What's people, a helicopter mom? they're the ones that hover around their kids, never oh, okay. letting them make a mistake or never let them learn yeah, yeah, a lesson yeah. when they're small. Yeah. Now they're weak and ill-prepared for the world when they go out on their own. And that's what happens when we over-regulate. Because yep. you know what? You don't regulate, people get burned sometimes, but they learn their lesson. Yep. They you figure up, it out. Yeah, they figure it out. You regulate to the point where no one can do business. They just leave yep. and then everyone's harmed anyway yep. because you don't get the value. Exactly. So you have to recognize, yeah, there are going to be some times where people, there are shysters out there. But the world and the news wants you to think that everyone's a shyster and they never report about the majority of people who are actually good people. Yep. Well, it doesn't make that that's not good news. Right. Now, no, who's going to watch? that but i would say the point the point is like as you go through as you go through this cycle it happens over and over and over again and i see a lot of those signs uh, today but yet the initial drive of people is still the same and that that's what i would say is kind of the, the point of these of these seasons which is if you can understand that yeah right then you can understand i would say the the equation to get to that life uh, that you're seeking anyway which is I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. I want to have that sense of achievement. And that comes about by yeah. really understanding the tenets and the fundamentals of life. I, I'm my own person. I should be in control. I should be self-reliant. I'm responsible for me and my future, right? Then you go to liberty, which is the pursuit of being free, right? It's not right. having to be told what to do, right? And then the idea of property, which is the creation of, of resources. But I would say right now, it's like you you look at those principles and it's and it's changing the face of our entire world so, so quickly, but yet you also are able to have that lens to see how those that aren't uh, following them are setting themselves up for disaster, right. right? So I look at I look at the future and I look at how quickly it's going. We were talking about this uh, downstairs where you have tons of inefficiency, ton of problems, ton of challenges. You're always going to have them because we're humans, okay? But you have a lot of people that know how to figure things out. That's the nature of human beings. And they haven't been like, uh, you know, I was going to use a swear word, but they haven't been polarized by this idea of like what you should do or what you have to do or what, you know, what society deems as like your steps to be successful, right? You have these type of people that are figuring it out and it's going to change so quick because they're not having to start from scratch, right? They don't have to go and invent electric or not invent electricity, discover electricity, invent the light bulb. They don't have to invent the internet. They don't have to, it basically has all been created for them. They are starting from a position of like, wow, more wealth, it, a ton more, more wealth and all those resources that I would say is the, is the property aspect of John Locke saying. So you look at, you know, people being caught off guard. I mean, that's an understatement. It's yeah. going to hit people like a tidal wave. And, and that's what, that's where it's like the theme here is, okay, it, we could be wrong, 
But this is a cycle that history has repeated over and over and over. Right. Right. But the same drive, those same principles have not changed. So with that in mind, have you seen this push for universal basic income? Yeah. I mean, you know, because of the disruption of artificial intelligence. And I've I've given a lot of thought to that. Like I'd love to like, hear your thoughts on like, it. Like, you know, so i I've been trying to think about both sides. Like one is one side is how do we pay for it? Um, we could actually pay for it. Here's here's my solution to pay for it. Um, every government employee that you don't see because they work inside of a building, meaning they're not a police officer, they're not a fire fireman, you just get rid of two-thirds of those jobs because artificial intelligence and simple just we don't need the jobs right mm-hmm. now. It's people you know, building up their budget from year to year because if they don't, it gets cut mm-hmm. and then there's not money for it. So we just cut two-thirds of those people um, and then they can just get part of universal basic income to live off of. But, I, but I'm but i a little bit concerned about universal basic, basic income. One, it doesn't give anyone enough just to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, um, it's very like, uh, a, a, you know, entitlement once received becomes a, a necessity. Yep. And so when that happens, you know, what does that do to the devaluation of everything else? Mm-hmm. So I, I've given I've given thought to it and I've even thought, hey, if we could get rid of all health insurance, I actually might be open to it because I'm paying $1,000 per employee per month for health insurance right now simply because of our size, we're obligated to do it. Yeah. It, you know, with otherwise we get penalized. Okay, so the universal basic income idea then... I don't. I mean, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that it's basically it, it's socialism and that never works, right? Because right. it gives value for zero in exchange, and because there's no exchange, it can it could never work, right? right. Just on like the It'll simplest make less Occam's adaptable. razor argument, yeah. Le- they'll be less adaptable. Yeah, they're saying that if we don't do it, there's going to be war and upheaval and all this kind of stuff. But that's, a, that's um, it's, it's the same solution but, but it's though. Funny it's like, who, oh, let's make a law. Have you seen oh, the I know. Main people? I know. Like, it's like, all the tech people. But, I'm like, wow. But I would. Say, but it comes down to, it's like even even at that at that level right they understand a lot of those that that those simple uh you know basic principle structure but then the ideas that they come up with don't really all align with them some of them do right. some of them don't but see better than universal basic income would be we have enough advantage with technology that i totally disagree with bernie sanders on 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 uh, paying for people's higher education but i totally agree with them on providing it for free because we don't actually have to pay for higher education anymore based upon, in my business, in your business, um, I mean, there's so much stuff I give for free now to educate people. Yeah. And and so I feel like we've continued to move that line along. So rather than just give money for free that they don't have to work for, let's just give them better access to education so that they still have to do something that still aligns with life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness yeah. rather than well, if I don't do anything today, I continue to get something because I think that's a miserable spiral where they might just start playing more Xbox, smoking more weed, yeah. and driving around their jalopy car because they can still get around, yep. and then they become less productive, and then they're less happy. Then they're going to get less healthy, and then we're going to get taxed on the health yeah, side. It, you always, so it's a it, it all, You wind up in the same situation yeah. regardless of what you do because again, it comes down to that. It comes down to that basic tenet where if you get something. And you didn't do anything Something for it. Something for nothing is the, a destructive that, philosophy. And it, always has it, been, and it w- it will never work. And so that's the thing is like you give people income, it's just, it's not going to work. And yeah, you're going to have a lot of a lot of businesses that will collapse. You're going to have a lot of industries collapse. Okay, 
it's all going to collapse anyway. So, and that's the point. Yeah. It's like now, and that's where I say, you know, regarding laws and regulation, it's kind of like we have thousands and thousands and thousands of laws. We have 700 pages of new tax legislation, right? It's like you, the, what they're trying to do is they're trying to like model, modify and impl- influence behavior, right? And the influence of that, of that behavior, people don't want that. It's being told what to do and they're going to figure out ways around it. Yeah. And so, and that's, I mean, that's what, that's what human beings do. But in the end, you're going to have so much regulation, so much red tape, so much, so many hoops to jump through that people are going to throw up their hands and do what your, you do what yeah. your ancestor did, your great grandfather. All right, we got to leave. And leave. Yeah. And I don't know what the leave is going to mean because it's the whole world. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, where do you go? Go create your own little island <laughs> i don't know though it's a good question who knows what's going to happen in the future and that's why i always argue is is everyone loves to say we should do this in the future but it's like nobody knows what is what the future is right. right and you and and right now we're having conversations about certain things that even five years ago like we we wouldn't even understand the words right right well, I, I i mean i've done a couple things like one i have a second passport now in another country mm-hmm. and i'm probably going to have a third I just don't. I just don't know. It depends on the level of oppression that's put in each place. That I can look and say, "What can I weigh my options?" Now, my intention here is to create the very best scenario in the place that I'm at. Yeah. But there's a certain point where enough freedom is taken away that I would probably do the same thing as my great grandfather, hmm. if that's the case. Like, I just feel like now we're we're doing things and forcing things upon people that are so far beyond, and there's so much lack of disclosure. Like, just simple things, like. Um, whether you agree with it or not, I'm like, why, why do we have to vote on whether you have to label foods or not? Like, I just like to know what goes in my body, but now they're voting it down saying it's going to cost more for the labeling. I'm like, that just doesn't like seem like, well, it should never have been regulated from the beginning because then we just choose the companies that we want to work with. Yeah. Right now they're trying to like, or like you're going to force me to do put certain things in my body now like that just seems like okay whoa, whoa, whoa like what happened to me having a little bit of a choice in that matter and now you're going to legislate it or they could you know like there's just some of this stuff that that becomes so frustrating that you know what happens we stop focusing on production i know we stop thinking about yeah. value creation because it just feels so debilitating and and i just feel like politics has been the worst example of humanity yeah. for far too long now well, this was this is interesting. So the you went you went to this event uh, last year, uh, but there was a the business meeting that they that they do at at uh, the Toys for Tot event, and I talked about it a couple weeks yeah. ago on the podcast. But in this uh, at this event, they you know tried to just you know give meaningful, really valuable type of presentations. And so one of the presentations talked about this uh, this idea behind. Uh, like Yelp, right? Let's get the social rating system or social accountability systems. And obviously there's ways in which you can game it. But mm-hmm. in the end, I mean, it's pretty effective, right? If, if a restaurant has crappy food, you're not going to go there because you're going to look right. on Yelp and it's going to be like, nope, I got food poisoning. This dish sucks. The waiters are idiots, yeah. right? Yeah, that, yeah. And, that, and places go out of business because of that. Yeah, there's accountability. So this presentation talked about how that right there is a sign. It could happen, it could not, it might not happen. But there's a sign where you're going to have your own rating in the future. Like Uber, you have a rating. Like I don't know what yours. I don't know what, how many stars you have. I'm four point eight one. I'm not even. I'm a four. I'm, I'm a four point seven nine. Actually, I'm a four point eight now. But Cynthia is like a four point two. And anyway, I won't get into that. She well, she was. I've yelled at drivers for driving poorly. I'm sure I got docked for that. For sure. And that's one of the. Yeah, she she's just anyway. Yeah, I, won't, yeah. I won't. I won't go on she's that. <laughs> Yeah, that is it. Just like that emotion in the comes blood. out. Yeah, the emotional <laughs> side. 
but it's one of those things where if you, you know, a politician, right? Ratings, right? And people are going to, and I know that they kind of have them now. Teachers black have them mirrors, now. Have you seen Black Mirrors on Netflix? They uh-huh. have a whole episode on people being rated. And, and, the, and the down the downside to it, though, yeah. too. And this is, I would say, this is, in the end, it's one of those, like, people know what the right thing is. I mean, look at all the, like, the you know, the, the, the scandals that have been coming out. It's because it's one of those it, it's people understand like fundamentally what's 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 a what's a, a cro- what crosses the line right and i don't remember i don't know if you've ever seen the um uh we are legion documentation it's the uh, the foundation of anonymous like the hacker group anonymous yes, I, yeah mm-hmm. and they you know they basically like network themselves together and they, and whether for better or for worse they've like gone after like politicians and they've gone after you know groups yeah there's two sides to everything but the thing is some people, when they don't like how it goes, want someone to protect and take away their their liberty in the name of safety. Mm. And the thing is, if you want liberty, you're going to have lessons and difficulties and issues and you know personal attacks or but the social side, that, but, but the, the social thing side is, of things. Why? That's part of living. Yeah, we we have to have thicker we skin. Have to make mistakes. We, you yeah. have to be able to have people think poorly of you and be yeah. okay with the, being alive yep you know you don't want to have big brother get involved and then start making our decisions for us and now all of a sudden we give up all of our freedoms just because we don't want someone's feelings to get hurt yeah are you kidding me like but that's where i feel we go and because, hopefully yeah, yeah hopefully that ends though because it's one of those like yeah you, you do you have the social idea where people are you know have this kind of moral standard which i think is in, innate in a sense and they know what's in bounds they know what's out of bounds and if that type of policing works then you may not need a law to be passed to paper over this or paper over that because in the end you're right it's like they want you know this thing is bad like and and this goes i don't know if you know connor boyack and the libertas institute locally mm-hmm. but they're the ones that lobbied uh capitol hill in utah and allowed for um food trucks not to have to get all these like ridiculous permits that that the restaurant lobby was trying to get them to have because it was competition right it's just like i used to get so i i, I use silver car all the time which is a car app yeah so you can you always get an audi yeah and they used to always pick me up at the airport but then the other car rental companies lobbied yeah. and made it where it was illegal for them to pick me up at the airport yeah. so i had to take the same shuttle bus mm-hmm. because they felt felt it was an unfair advantage i'm like well you know the better such situation would have been if they would have just started picking you up in a car that you were about to rent rather than diminishing everything for a company that was being more disruptive. But what I like about it is it's just a matter of time before these other companies either adopt efficiency or and customer convenience or they're gone. Just like you know, cabs in Utah. If I took a cab from the Salt Lake City Airport to my office, it was $35. I can take from my house, which is three times further, an Uber and For it's 20. between $17 and $27 depending yep. on the time of day. Yep. You know, and, and and one, they know they're going to get raided, so they're probably going to at least clean, clean car, it because the taxis I was in here, they, they were terrible, yeah. man. And and so I, you know, it's just funny. Like, how many people? This is where most pain comes from, Patrick. They want the past to stay the same yeah. or to be different. Yep. And we're not in a place where that gets to be the case. And you and I have to accept that. Yeah. You know, because back in the day, it was we could get customers easier than we get them now. But you know what's really cool about today? You can keep customers now easier than ever before. Mm-hmm. There's so much technology and communication and a podcast. There's ways to communicate and deliver value to them in such efficient ways mm-hmm. that I just find there's so much more longevity. Yeah. They're looking for community. They're looking for connection. They need it. And so yep. rather than me complain about 
oh, it's so much more to advertise on Facebook today. I go, cool. If we get someone, it's worth so much more to us. Yeah. Well, so let's let's do let's do this because I think we've we've touched on the elements that yeah. there is going to be massive disruption, right? There already is. Like yep. all of the stuff we're talking about right now, it's and I don't. It, it, in the end, is it is America going to collapse? Is it is this is society? I, I I try to think like people can figure things out. Nobody really benefits from that yeah. crap. And but in the end, I would say that these fundamental ideas of what the future looks like need to be questioned by everyone. Yeah, let's just say two things about that. Okay. On will America collapse? Number one, people that have dipped into the treasury at this level have never survived. But number two, we've never had a flatter earth that's more global where we can connect and do business with anyone. anyone anywhere. So you have one dynamic that says it's inevitable, and the other dynamic that says, like Buckminster Fuller used to really argue that if we were all like reliant upon each other for yeah. power, yep. that we would start eliminating war, we'd start cooperating a lot more. And that's happening. And we are already kind of that way without having yeah. it with power because we – we, we're a global society, mm -hmm. which that gives me a little bit of comfort, but it all comes down to, you know, look, man, the politicians and the Fed and everything, if they can just continue to be irresponsible, I mean, what are we going to do? Like that, the $19 trillion or $20 trillion, if interest rates go up, that's, that's a lot to finance. It is. And there's, that's a totally different conversation because yeah. I think there's, there's ways out of that. Okay, but there's also a, a lot of concern because, yeah, that that money has to be paid back, and right now it's being added to, and it's being added to with IOUs, which is based on the you know the it's based upon the show Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> no, you saw Dumb and Dumber, right? Like where, I don't know the where, analogy where, though. Where they open the briefcase, it has oh cash yeah, all in these it. IOUs. They yeah. spend all the cash. Oh, this one's important. And Harry and Lloyd <laughs> write down the IOUs. Lamborghini. <laughs> Government is a lot like Harry and Lloyd. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm saying here. <laughs> so anyway, so I would so I would say if if you know, so the lessons from from this podcast, and I think this entire this entire season is that all of these things are like we talk about them, but we you and I realize there's not much we can do, if anything, to control or influence it. Yep. Okay. But what we can do, and this comes down to that fundamental principle, is okay, what is the Aristotle A equals A? Okay. This is reality, okay? We know that we're alive and we know that we can, if you're employed, you've provided value to somebody. That is what you can control. Okay. You can control your relationships and your three, your three assets, which yep. are relationships, connection, and creative, creativity, Cre creation. and everyone's yeah. creative. Everyone's creative. Everyone has that. I mean, that's just, that's the yeah. natural human inside. That's what separates us from monkeys. That's another discussion, I guess, but it's one of those things where it, those, those are the things you can control. Those are the things that you can influence. And so right. really the idea is give up the idea of retirement because it's not human. It's not, it's not in line with humanity and what we're wired to do. You won't be in control of your money at that point. Nope. You will be in a very scarce, difficult situation. Start retiring from the things that aren't aligned with you right now <laughs> and start doing more productive things is the solution. And here's, I would say if I would, I would have one argument to retirement, retirement being legitimate is if everything froze in time right now, nothing changed. That's nothing changed from here going forward. I would say that is the only grounds in which it may work. It still has a probability of not working, but it's for sure not going to work in the future. So what I would say is 
retirement. You're part of the problem if you're if yeah. you focused on retirement instead of the solution. And change you get taken out of service. Yeah, that's and you're that's the and that's the definition of it. Yeah. So changing the word to the pursuit of something that I love doing, that freedom idea, pursuing something where I I I am valuable. Somebody thinks I'm valuable. I'm paid for it, and I like doing it. I'm ha- I, yeah. that is like that. That should be the like that's the quintessence right there. Well, the the confusion that people have is you mentioned it's the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness or property, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. People have now confused that to they have a right to insurance, <laughs> to have a job, um, retirement, to have a job, retirement, <laughs> yeah. social security. So, so it's insurance, a job, and retirement. That's what they're confused about. <laughs> I know. <laughs> because all of that's devoid of value creation. Yeah. The centerpiece to all this is value creation. If we don't think about service, we don't think about solving problems, and we don't think about what we can uniquely contribute and continue to do that, mm-hmm. we're in life can get pretty boring and difficult. Yep. And and so that I would really encourage people to think more mm-hmm. along that line because it's just going to be the whole world's going to be better off, but especially them individually from a selfish motive. And I'm convinced that the motivation is that they want to stop doing what they don't like. That's what I'm convinced of. And, and look, that's, man, my great-grandfather may have chosen that life to do something better and didn't feel like he had a lot of options, but I now feel like I had plenty of choice to do what I like. I've never stood, stepped foot in a coal mine. I could have chosen that because they tried to entice you and pay you as a teenager, but my dad was like, I think you could do better things. And my mom was like, I'll be here to support you. And I think about you know my buddy Rich that I mentioned. He's had five entrepreneurial kids. He started their businesses when they were teenagers and said, I won't be a good sports coach, but I'll be a good business coach and just coached him. And one of them did 690000 of revenue as 16 years old. Oh like like the, there's so much potential. And there's other kids that could do that. They just don't have the guidance or the, the parents don't have. But now... Look, man, amazing.com is a, is a company I spoke for. Yeah. They have courses that teenagers could go through to start a business. You could start a side hustle today and yeah. the entrepreneurial conversation we're having. Yeah. You just have to look at how you contribute to the bottom line and own that and find a system or an organization that you can thrive in. Like We don't have the same um, you know, limitations of the industrial society. Mm. And so people are still living an industrial life when we're in a completely different age, and therefore that's where a lot of the suffering comes from. And I would say, man, there's, we can go off on a, a huge tangent regarding like the opportunities that are available for kids right now, opportunities yeah. available for even ad, even adults. But it's it's one of those things that whether it's you know learning a new skill, right? Learning uh, it could be the you know Dev Mountain is local, right? Where they have tons of courses similar to, to Amazing.com, where they have tons of courses on how to learn code and learn development. Yeah, I mean there there are opportunities to be you know be creative. Like my like Hannah, my adult, my thirteen year old, like she loves making these little trinkets. It's like who knows like what is valuable, but that create creativity, I would say sometimes is 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 suppressed. That's in a good children. time to learn for sure because the consequences aren't as as dire. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a little bit but of the further number. along they get, like the more suppression the more exists and then they start to get into those same habitual I'll behaviors as everybody else. I'll do this in the name of X, Y, and Z. Yep. Right. Okay, dude. So, so what, what, uh, what's your, what's your number one advice for people? So as we look at this, this season and it's, okay, this is the ideal outcome to understand the principle of what Locke meant by life, which is you, you are your own person. Nobody else owns you. Nobody else controls you, right? You essentially right. control yourself. You need to be self-reliant. What would you say is like the number one, number one lesson? Invest first and always in yourself. Number two, 
get completely strategic about who you spend your time with and categorize it in three ways. Love that. First off, who are you friends with? Now, friends are people that encourage you, support you, want to see you succeed. They're good people. You learn from them. They challenge you. You invite them into your life and you say yes to their invitations. Then, people that you're friendly with. friendly pe- People you're friendly with are like, they're, they could be total a-holes that you want to totally avoid, but rather than fight with them or try to change them, which too many people do, mm-hmm. just say no to their invitations. Mm-hmm. Stop inviting them to anything. Free up that time. Number three are buddies. Buddies are people that they're, they're cool to go hang out with every now and again, and that's totally fine. Just don't do business and just don't share your life with them. And if you categorize people in those three ways, you're going to free up more time to spend the, with the right people. All right, so you invest first and always in yourself. You focus more time on friends. Then the third thing is, look, we've got to understand money in today's world. If you don't understand money, mm-hmm. you could have the greatest skill set and completely be a train Broke. wreck. Yep. This is what I found. Bad philosophy with hard work still equals bankruptcy. <laughs> bad philosophy with hard work still equals barely making it by. Mm-hmm. You know, Hard work with bad philosophy still equals not leaving any time left to yourself or money left to, to your heirs or doing the things that you want. So we have to start mastering that game of money and understanding it because if we don't, life is just far too difficult. Okay, so mastering money can mean so many different things. Like, the what simplest do you- thing that people could do, simplest thing, is set up a separate account and pay yourself first. So just take a percentage of every dollar you earn and put it into a savings account. And here's the the thing not to collapse. Too much of the world has told people that automatic um, savings is the same thing as automatic investing. If someone puts money into a 401k, that's an investment, not a savings account. Mm -hmm. It's a vehicle that restricts access to cash in the name of deferral or other potential benefits, and it's typically put into funds. Those funds are volatile. They go up and down. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't provide short-term liquidity, safety, or anything like that. So Mm -hmm. when I talk about automatic saving, I'm talking about actual cash inside of a bank account, Mm -hmm. a little bit inside of a safe in case there's ever identity theft Mm -hmm. or in case there's ever an IRS issue Mm -hmm. or a lawsuit. You've Mm got to have access to cash or a natural disaster. Um, But I'm talking about just automatically paying yourself first as a habit. Now, in 1920s, we had richest man in Babylon tell people 10%. Mm -hmm. little outdated because the Federal Reserve wasn't like it is today and the U.S. Revenue Act had just started out. So I recommend more like 15% because we need to handle those additional factors like inflation, Mm -hmm. like tax fluctuations. So if people go 15%, they don't have to get there on their own. Most people overpay taxes. They overpay on their insurances by having duplicate coverages or improper structure. Mm -hmm. Most people overpay on their non-performing investment fees that could be put back into their pocket. And a lot of people overpay on interest. So there's ways to find that money. And just done is better than perfect and progress over perfection. Mm -hmm. But at least setting up a separate account and start saving, that's an immediate action around money. Then there's just foundational pieces everyone needs to learn basics about. Mm -hmm. Doesn't take forever, but... How do you structure your car, home, liability, disability, medical, and life insurance? Yeah. You know, um, should you have an estate plan? You know, if you're a business, what type of corporate structure do you have? Mm-hmm. What's your credit score? And if you renegotiate your interest rates, so there's basics that everyone needs to deal with. And then there's secondary things that I think people could consider, which is how they're going to grow their money. Okay. But just get good at a few things, not everything. Yeah, there's foundational elements for sure. And if you try to add to that without having that security, then that could lead to lead to some A loss bad of places dollars. for sure. All I right. tried it that way. It didn't work out. <laughs> That's how I learned it. <laughs> okay. So let, maybe last thing and then we can, we can wrap it up. Uh, so looking, I would say at your, like who you are, this, you know, the, uh, going back to the concept of life, um, how, how important is your reputation to you? 
and or just to people in general like what's your what's your take on that and then what do you you know because i because i've i've known you for a long time right and and i would say that you have done your best to make sure that things are done right and that's really preserved your your reputation but uh, where where are you with that? And where are you with individuals these days, especially as life is becoming a lot more transparent than it was in the past? Yeah. Where are you with that as as part of your you know personal kind of human life value asset structures? So my reputation, I look at it in three buckets. Number one, it's critically important for friends, meaning those people I care about, my customers I serve, which become friends, people like like that I am a man of integrity and that if it doesn't go according to plan, that I do what it takes to make things right. Mm -hmm. For people that I'm friendly with, meaning these are the scarcity ridden a-hole internet trolls or whatever it is, I don't even care what my reputation is with them. I once had a guy that sent me a screenshot about an Amazon review he's gonna give me because I wouldn't work with him. I mean, first of all, here's the number one, first reason I didn't wanna work with him. After I did a session, where he figured out I had gold and silver in my safe and food storage. He goes, have you ever been worried about someone shooting you in the back of the head? I was like, well, just now, as a matter of fact, not not till just a second, <laughs> but now I kind of am. And then he proceeded to tell me all the things I was doing wrong in life and business, and he was in the middle of a bankruptcy. And I just said, hey, I don't think this is gonna be a good fit. And so he got super angry, and then he was gonna, he sent a screenshot, he was gonna post this negative review, and I responded by like, oh God, what would I do with a negative review on Amazon? I don't care. I mean, one review doesn't matter, because I don't wanna be so thin-skinned. Like, I kinda figure if I'm doing something disruptive, there's going to be negative feedback there. I'm just totally cool with that. And then the third thing is I I mildly mildly worry about my reputation with buddies, meaning I don't like I don't worry about it. I worry about the people that matter, mm-hmm. and other people, and I, not like a socioeconomic thing, people that matter, but people that are actually trying to become economically independent and do the right things. Like it matters that I deliver on what I say I'm going to deliver, mm-hmm. that I have brand integrity, that I have an organization that cares about the people that just isn't peddling something. Yep. Like I've heard marketers say before, I don't care if someone does anything with what they buy. I'm like, I truly care. That's why I realize I don't just write books because books most of the time go on a shelf yep, or they don't implement. Yep. I look at books as a catalyst, as a conversation starter, yep. as a way to get things Absolutely. going and hard. something behind that. Yeah. So so people that have bought my program in 2010, there was a one in three chance that they didn't love it, our one-on-one program, because we took on way too many clients. Mm-hmm. And when I would see them and talk to them and they're like, yeah, I don't know, like that was painful to me because they wrote a check and, and they had a lot of hope and we let them down. Mm-hmm. So I totally revamped how many people we took on, who worked with them, and now I, I know that there's a 99.9% chance if I see someone, they're gonna hug me, to give me a card, tell me how much impact, that means everything because I wanna make money with integrity, yeah. not by just people writing checks. So yeah, so I have worked extraordinarily high, hard on my reputation because as you know, I had a real estate partnership with someone that went south, that dude's in jail, mm-hmm. right? That, that was really hurtful and harmful to my whole like viewpoint of the world, but it was really helpful to also see that go on. You know, um, I'm trying to think, uh, I I bought a partner out of a business once and now I look at his reputation. It's pretty bad. And I don't really say much about him, but you, you know, you know who I'm talking about. It's like, so reputation is part of that, um, platform for me to do business with people. And I think it's good. It's the accountability side of things too, right? Because in the end, 
if you if you do the right thing and if well first off if you learn what the right thing is yeah. okay it's not based on what society tells you it is okay it's based on you know what's worked over and over and over and over again probably considered a, a principle and following that and not deviating but in you know i would say in in the end individuals i think are starting to see that there is change right that there are just some amazing things going going on and you have people leaving you have people you know pursuing the entrepreneurial route becoming their yeah. own business becoming, becoming a consultant but you also have a lot of companies adapting too where companies are realizing wow like things are going quick and if we don't do anything like we're going to go out of business yep. and you know GE perfect example getting rid of a lot of their like smaller companies where they have no business really being in right. but in the end I would say that you know the opportunities that exist today are unlike any time in history and it is the perfect time to really you know, ask yourself those questions. Okay. What it, what is it that I really want? Yep. What do I want to do? Where am I going? Uh, and how do I rid my life of the things that, you know, are, aren't, are painful that I'm just putting up with right. in hopes that, you know, I just spend a few more years and somehow in the future, I'll be rid of it. It's like, I would say those are, those are, the, you know, the, the thoughts individuals, um, are, are starting to have, and it's becoming more, not mainstream, but it's becoming more common where people do step away. They do have this like reinvent the boomer reinvention movement, right? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, I'm going to get out a couple years early instead of waiting to 65, but I'm going to be a consultant. I'm going to go work for this startup or I'm going to go work here. And that's where I would say people need to really look to as, yeah. as the future because, and especially for older individuals, it's like you're so ingrained to providing value where you may think it's a paycheck. It's not. It's you being productive for somebody else. For, yeah, for a dozen dentists and orthodontists, my chairman has hired CEOs for them. Because they've never thought about having executive level talent, and he's finding people in their fifties and sixties that, that just finished the other career, yeah. and this is actually lower stress for them, an easy business for them. But now they're making money and they're engaged, yep. and it's a great time for those dentists because they just picked up a list talent for a pretty good price, yeah. and just said that they'll get paid major bonuses taking places they haven't gone. So it's yeah, I hope to see more and more people engaged because it's a big tax on themselves and society if they don't. And it's just it's just a faulty philosophy that's been riddling so many people for far too long. And it's been ingrained, ingrained in the culture, unfortunately. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's a dangerous dogma. Well, know? it's coming to a head. I mean, you can yeah. see that you, you can see the paths converging. Yep. And it's gonna and it's gonna be really it's gonna be quicker than we probably even realize. But once it happens, that's disruption. But I but would it's say a great time to be alive, man. For sure. Because I think for every negative thing that we think is so bad, mm -hmm. there's four positive things that didn't exist before. I know. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, it wasn't that long ago where the chance of you having a kid and having them survive without dying of some sickness. You know, or where if you wanted like to listen to music, you had to hire a quartet to come over and play. Or if you wanted to heat, you had to like go chop down a tree and then build a fire and that you didn't see people for months on time. And well, everything was, a normal was survival. Thing. Everything was, I mean, survival. It was survival. And, you know, as much as we talk about the, the Constitution being this instrumental document in the history of the United States, mm -hmm. there's something that we don't talk about that often that was as impactful, if not more, getting 2,000 calories into people very easily. Yeah. When that happened, we prospered like no other. Mm -hmm. And so it, times today, people have more time to be offended and pissed off than ever before. 
Like before, people didn't have time. They were too busy on the farm. Yeah, it didn't you matter. Know? So it like, didn't matter. if you're finding yourself complaining or negative or angry, like just go out and do something instead. Go read the Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> go produce. Go figure something that you can do that's productive and just get off social media for a minute that might be poisoning your mind until you're more prepared and in the right mindset to look at it. Well, tell us, uh, you have a book coming out in, in uh, March. Maybe you have the final word and tell us about the, the book and how people can connect with you. Yeah, Industrial Age is far past, yet we still live like it, right? Right? So five five days of work, two-day weekend, look forward to those three-day weekends every now and again. The book's about how do you build a financial structure to get three days back. So it's two days where you're still grinding out, maintaining, managing, and monitoring. Mm-hmm. But the other five days are free for creation and expression and growth and your expertise cool. and the things that you do very best at and that that's a game changer. And that's the new definition of retirement. You Love basically it. retire from the old one. Dude, that's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, we were, we were talking... It, yeah, with the with the book uh, we have coming out, it's a very very similar theme. And what's awesome is that you you have others as well. I mean, I mean Tim Ferriss came out with some you know his obviously four hour work week, right? right? But then a lot of the stuff that he's done is is around kind of hacking life, right? So that you can work less and but do more, yep. right? And and it's interesting. I don't know if you've read his or gotten into his new his new uh, tool tribe, uh, of mentors. tribe of mentors. I haven't, but it's like yeah, you, you go in there and every single person that is given those questions, like none of them says. One of the questions is, "What's your best investment?" None of them ever say like something other than themselves or their of their and their business, which just proves this point here. Yep. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, this season's going to be awesome. You were an amazing guest to kick it off with because, like I said in the beginning, I'm not like just you know, it's not it's not placating, but it's it's one of those. Like you, you've lived by those principles and you have inspired me for over a decade. And it's one of those things where it's always, it's worked for you. You had hard times. I, I realized that, yeah. but everybody does. Yeah. And it's one of those things Learned where- some real lessons during but, those times. And, and those lessons are in those, in those times, you know, the lessons- I had to get gray hair to get more credibility. Those you look good with gray, you look good with gray hair. Yeah, the, thanks, you know, the Jesus thing is working really well for you. <laughs> Financial <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, uh, but dude, I also appreciate you've been an epitome of abundance. And I think that like you live and express abundance in so many ways ways and and i've always thought that about you and i've always watched you you know keep that throughout the, the years so i really uh, acknowledge that in you yeah one thing i one thing i discovered this will be the last thing i think i say i think this podcast went way over our normal time but one thing that i've discovered is and this it came from uh, nelson mandela right and he he talked about how do you how do you inspire how do you inspire people to do more than they think they can do? Mm-hmm. And his answer was, you always look to you always look to history and and find examples that resonate with you of people that did amazing things, like archety- archetypes, the whole archetype yep. thing. And uh, and that's and that's the thing is whether whether it's you and there's a lot of other mentors that I've had throughout my life, both those that I don't know and those that I don't know, right? That have shown me like this is this is possible. That's something that I want to be like. I want to have an impact, uh, and that's kind of inspired me and kind of uh, led led me along. But in the end, I've discovered the very the very same thing, right? Which is there's some things I don't want to do. There's some things that I want to do, but those things that are I that I'm in control of are the ability for me to help other people, ability for me to uh, create create value and and wake up and do things that I like to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how I've tried to position position life is that's so that I'm always trying to do that. That's what my great-grandfather never had that I feel I added to the legacy of the family name that's amazing. by finding the things that I truly love and enjoy in life yeah. and, and spend the majority of my time in that. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Garrett. Cool, this man. is this is fun. Thanks, man. Okay. We'll have you on uh, have you on again. All right. Sounds hey, great. All right. Thanks everyone for uh, for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us as the Wealth Standard Podcast spends all of 2018 celebrating life 
liberty, and property. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll see you on the next one.